We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and brought to you today by betonline.ag. I'm your host, Jacob Niffen. And today I have a special episode for you guys. I reached out and was lucky enough to get a guest on the podcast today. Former mayor of Oklahoma City, uh, gubernatorial candidate, and one of the guys solely responsible for bringing the thunder from Seattle to Oklahoma City, bringing the New Orleans Hornets to Oklahoma City during that season of Hurricane Katrina, Mr. Mick Cornett. So I had a chance to sit down and chat with with Mayor Cornett or former Mayor Cornett, I guess, and just to be able to pick his brain of those early Thunder teams about the process of the NBA kind of okaying the Thunder to move to Oklahoma City, them kind of giving Oklahoma City the stamp of approval for the team to relocate here. And just his recollection and his memories of of all those things that happened and, and even talking about this year's team and and kind of Chris Paul, you know, this idea that Chris Paul was with the Thunder 
or not really technically with the Thunder, but with the Hornets in Oklahoma City years and years and years ago in his rookie year. And then now he's here kind of in the twilight of his career. Just a really fun conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, and without further ado, I'll go ahead and patch you over to my conversation with former Oklahoma City Mayor Mick Cornett. All right, so now we're here with former Mayor of Oklahoma City, Mick Cornett. Um, Mick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate you. Well, this is one of my favorite topics, so it's good to be with you. Awesome. So before we started recording, you said uh, you and the family are are doing okay through this time, so that's great to hear. Um, I know it's crazy times, and you know we're talking about basketball, and that's one of the things that it's been the biggest thing for me throughout this whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic is not only being quarantined, but we, we don't get to watch basketball. And I know you being a sports fan, uh, it's it, that part of it's a big culture shock as well. Well, it is. I'm a season ticket holder of the Thunder, and I was there that Wednesday night when, you know, they didn't play the game. And, you know, that was one of the most bizarre, you know, I guess, scenes I have ever been at. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been to hundreds of Thunder games and sometimes I'm embarrassed. So, you know, I just can't remember this and I can't remember that just because I've seen so many. But I'll never forget that one, the, the, the day they didn't play. Yeah, that's um, what well, I think we'll all remember that one. And for that game, I've always said this, for that game to happen and, and the league to suspend because of a game in Oklahoma City, you know, that, that yeah. just, it, it's kind of stuck with me. Ever since that night, you know, the Utah Jazz weren't in New York City. They weren't in L.A. They weren't in Dallas. They were here, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and for to, to see the, the reports on CNN and ESPN that NBA is suspended and the pictures being of this city, uh, just kind of surreal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and Chris Paul was in a significant conversation with the officials down there before the game. I knew something was up, I thought. Well, maybe they maybe Utah has has created some sort of technical foul on themselves in the pregame warmup, and Chris is out there lobbing. Chris knows the rules better than the ref sometimes, I think. And um, and I, I wonder if Chris Paul hadn't have been on in that arena, I'm not sure that they would have called off the game. Chris is such a such a, a good spokesperson for players and looking after uh, the players on the team. It seemed to be that he was the one that had figured the whole thing out and didn't feel comfortable and wanted the the rest to know something. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, just the the kind of the building of the tension, seeing Chris talk to the the officials and then try to talk to the Utah Jazz, seeing both coaches over there talking to the officials and talking to the scores table, and just you kind of just started to get this this feeling of you know what's happening? Why isn't the ball been tossed up in the air? You know, we're <laughs> we're ready to go. And just this yeah, collective, the, like, growing almost anxiety of what's going on. And then the Thunder shoot all the T-shirts that they were going to give away for the game into the crowd. And then we watched the halftime act. I mean, it was it was all it was all just scratching our heads. Like this is this is crazy. And then they they you know try and uh, hopefully that think that there won't be some sort of crowd incident. They tell us to quietly leave. It was it was something I'll never forget. Yeah, very, very wild. Well, you mentioned Chris Paul. I want to start there. Um, so you were a driving force behind when the Hornets temporarily relocated to Oklahoma City during Katrina. Uh, a very, very young Chris Paul back then. 
mm-hmm. now back in Oklahoma City and kind of the the ending days of his career and and really experiencing a renaissance. He's having one of the best careers or the best seasons of his career here in Oklahoma City until the shutdown. Uh, what do you remember about Chris from those Hornets days? Well, you know, the, the, the Hornets were, were so anxious to reach out to the community. They had no ties to Oklahoma City and were really grateful, um, first of all, for the support they received for a team that, you know, wasn't, um, you know, had no history there. And secondly, I mean, uh, the owner, George Shin, was grateful because he'd never made money before. And all of a sudden, you know, he was able to make a profit. And here comes Chris, you know, who, who Byron Scott told us. This is before Chris had ever played in a game. Byron Scott said he's going to be the rookie of the year in the NBA. I mean, and, I, you know, I don't ever remember a coach predicting that before the season started. Which it, And then the season starts, of course, and, and Chris is every bit as good as, as people suspected that he was. And, uh, you know, the, the team, you know, kind of starts slow, but then – they start winning and they win a bunch of close games and the crowd gets behind them. But, you know, I had interactions with Chris several times just because uh, the team was so easy to interact with in those days. It was just a much different feeling. Um, and, and Chris was so, you know, innocent and young and, and, uh, and it, it was just, it was a surreal experience in many ways. We didn't really know much about the NBA and he didn't really know much about the NBA or Oklahoma city. And so, uh, I think we were all just kind of learning more about each other. Nice. Since he's been back in Oklahoma City this season, have you had a chance to reconnect with him? No, I haven't. I uh, I stay in touch though with the current mayor, who I call the real mayor. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I get I get introduced as the mayor, and I'm always quick to correct them. There is a there is a mayor, and it's not me. Um, and uh, and and Chris, you know, he definitely remembers all of those. All all of the, the warm feelings, and you know, through the years, you know, those disappeared. But I think uh, those of us who were, you know, season ticket holders that first year when the Oklahoma City New Orleans Hornets came in, um, remember just how special it was. Um, and, you know, just just to have NBA uh, entertainment in Oklahoma City was a really big deal. I mean, you know, we, we weren't used to seeing the, you know, the, the biggest acts, whether it was in show business or in sports. And all of a sudden have all these regular season games played in Oklahoma city. I mean, we, we just, we treated every game like it was, you know, the NBA finals. And, uh, and I think the players recognize that. Definitely. So even though you haven't reconnected with Chris, just remembering him from that rookie year. And and like you said, how kind of young and I, I don't know if naive is the best word, but just kind of innocent. How, what, what have you seen from his growth, just both as a basketball player and as a man, from back then to now where he's, you know, the, the leader of the players association, 34 year old, uh, surely on track to be, you know, probably a first ballot hall of famer. Just what have you seen from Chris over the course of his career and the growth from kind of bookending his career in Oklahoma city? Well, he's, I don't remember. I remember the talent from that rookie year. Now, when I watch him, it's his intelligence that jumps out at me. I mean, if you if you really watch closely, when when Chris goes back in at the end of a quarter, generally he knows exactly when the other team needs one foul to enter the bonus, and Chris will make sure that foul gets called. Oh yeah, he'll do he'll do something to draw that foul, and then you know he he gets to shoot. And of course, you know Chris doesn't miss many free throws either. And it's you know it's almost if if you watch Chris enough, it's very predictable. And I can't imagine that the opposing NBA teams 
you know, haven't figured that out by now, if I figured it out, and they can't seem to figure out a way to stop it. Um, and I, I think that's just one small example of how how Chris is, is significantly <clears throat> more aware of the game as it's taking place and learning things throughout the game. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he's just um, uh, an in- incredibly intelligent player. And I, I've never seen a player that seemed to be so far ahead of the rest of the players on the court as far as the way that this particular game is being played and what what we should be doing right now in the game to to improve our chances of winning. Um, I don't think he had any of those uh, skill sets his rookie year. He was just really talented. Yeah, and for me, what one thing that's really exciting about what you just said, just the the intelligence, how cerebral he is on the court, his understanding of the game, not only to be able to watch him kind of do that here in Oklahoma City, but to mm-hmm. know that game in and game out, he is, he, he's not just using that to his advantage, but he's trying to instill those types of things in young players like Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Darius Baisley. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. He's, he's constantly coaching other players up, whether a timeout's been called and they're walking off the floor and Chris runs over to tell them something, or if they're on the bench during a, you know, during a break and play. Uh, he, he is trying to impact the game and get the Thunder in a position to win. And it's worked several, several times. I mean, the, these come from behind victories that this uh, 2020 Thunder team has put together are not accidents. It's, uh, it's largely the result of, 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 of Chris Paul and the team that plays together. Definitely. It's his, we've talked a lot about it on our podcast, but just the leadership style of Chris Paul, uh, that hands-on, that kind of instilling into young, young people um, and, and trying to grow them rather than you being the one in control all the time. And just a, a lot of aspects of his leadership style are really commendable. And I think it's really exciting for, for our team to have that, to be able to see him kind of uh, put that forward and pay it forward to the young guys. And he he's not trying to control the team. He's trying to really empower those young guys to, to step up and have that role as well. And it, it makes you wonder how long is Chris Paul planning on playing? He certainly, you know, will finish out the contract that he's currently signed. And from a skill perspective, he could probably play, I don't know, five years or so. But you just don't know when he will decide that he wants to move on. And it makes me wonder if he didn't want to be a coach yeah. um, because because he's, he's kind of doing that now. You know, right now you're kind of getting an, a, an additional coach on your roster um, De- when he's definitely. on the floor. Um, and so I would I would love it if somehow, some way he could finish his career in Oklahoma City. I think it would be a great bookend uh, to our experience in the NBA and, and our relationship with him. Definitely. It's, uh, it, it's really cool that he kind of – even if he doesn't end that contract and, and his career here, just to know that, you know, he was one of the first players Oklahoma City really ever had and claimed. And then to for the, the end of the Westbrook era to end with Chris as well is, is a really cool story. Before we get you back to my conversation with Mayor Cornette, real quick, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. 
If you're into prop bets and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the weather. Also, it looks like we might be getting some UFC, and there's talks about Major League Baseball coming up, guys. So make sure you get on to betonline.ag. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you get on and you put $100 in, you're going to have $200 in your account. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to get that 100% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering experts. And now back to my conversation with former Oklahoma City Mayor Mick Cornett. Um, you, you talked about those, you know, bookending and, and those early years with Chris. Um, after the Hornets, back in 2008, 12 years ago, which bl- always blows my mind, um, high-ranking members of the NBA front office, including David Stern, came out here to Oklahoma City uh, scoping out a possible home for a new, a new team, a uh, relocation, uh, especially with Seattle looking like they might be on the move. Uh, what do you remember about David Stern from that visit? Well, when he, when he was coming out um, with the, the Thunder relocation, um, he had already been convinced at that point that Oklahoma City was a major league city. And, and um, Clay Bennett and the business community, the owner, owner group of the team, had done such an incredible job that by then, when I would visit the NBA office in New York, I heard terms like the Oklahoma City model. And I, and I thought that was a, an, an amazing testament to, to Clay and his uh, business acumen and his, his knowledge of professional sports, that here we were just, you know, just barely into the, the, the Thunder era. And already he was kind of establishing a blueprint, <clears throat> excuse me, a blueprint for how, you know, these, these mid-sized cities who had NBA teams, think about Portland, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, uh, uh, Salt Lake, uh, I mentioned them, oh, and, and uh, um, uh, San Antonio, um, that the way the Thunder rolled out their their franchise and the way that they put the team together and, and interacted with the fans was kind of an NBA model that they hoped other teams would replicate. Um, and he, he loved Oklahoma City, and he would always shake his head at the story of how, you know, first the Hornets came and now the, the Thunder were relocating from Seattle. Uh, you know, it was it was just kind of an amazing storybook for our city, and he kind of liked being a part of it. Nice. So you you said that whenever he came out, he kind of already saw the the Oklahoma City as an NBA city, as a big league city. If somebody would have told you that ten years before he came out, like in the late nineties, um, <laughs> you you probably don't believe him at all. So so what? What do you think it was about Oklahoma City that that kind of that that has built up over time that allowed Stern to think that yeah this is a, a city where NBA basketball needs to be played like this this is one of them what what is well, that what is that threshold moment Well for him you know he's always looking after his the league and the people he worked for which was the owners and you know for him it was it was that the team had a, a had great support throughout the state and that uh, that uh, you know it was it was a viable franchise and could make money for the league. Uh, I mean, I think I think all of those things. From he's he's very much a, he was very much a businessman. And you know, he, as much as he loved Oklahoma City, if we hadn't supported the team, he wasn't gonna you know keep the team here. 
so uh, I, I think I think that's what it was. Um, he had he had seen this this marriage between an NBA team and a city, and it was very special, and he recognized it. Um, and uh, and I and I think he also had great respect uh, for Clay Bennett, and um, I think he, you know, uh, watched him as then the owner of the Seattle Sonics go through the one year, um, uh, you know, kind of search for a for a new arena uh, in in King County, and you know just time and time again, not being able to figure out a way to make that work. And I think, you know, I think Commissioner Stern and, and Clay Bennett also suspected that's probably how it would end up, but they had to, in good faith, go through the, the process. Um, and I, I think he appreciated the fact that, you know, Clay just did everything right. Clay said everything that, that should have been said. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, gave Seattle an opportunity if anyone wanted to step up. Uh, and and uh, you know we went dark that one year without a team, but but uh, you know certainly I think a lot of us felt like that that our ownership group that had gone to Seattle would be able to bring the team here, and and I, I think it just kind of played out just like he suspected it would. Nice. So shifting gears a little bit from David Stern over to Sam Presti, um, you obviously got to know Sam. Uh, starting way back when ro- relocation happened. Can you just talk a bit about what kind of guy Sam is? And if you back then had envisioned that he would still be with this franchise in 2020 and uh, I mean, no signs that, that that's going to change anytime soon. Well, I, I suspected when Clay signed him, he hoped it would be a long-term relationship. Um, I, I think, you know, Sam had incredible credentials, as a guy who someday would, would become a, an NBA general manager. And I think the fact that the Thunder were starting from scratch and really had, had didn't have a whole lot of talent on the roster, he just kind of seemed like the perfect fit. Um, but, you're, gosh, he was really young. And, yeah. um, and, and the moves that he's made through the years, I think, you know, kind of reflect – uh, what I imagine Clay Bennett had instilled in him very early on, and that was that we want to be a franchise that this city can be proud of. You know, we don't want a, you know a long list of players that are going to embarrass us in one way or another. Um, and I and I think you see that now. Now maybe Sam had those same beliefs too. I don't know, but I, I know Clay has always loved Oklahoma City a, a tremendous amount, and it it wouldn't surprise me if if Clay you know, talk to Sam about the importance of getting people that are good people and who can also play basketball and putting them on a roster. Um, and then you have just the amazing ability to to pick uh, players and, you know, some of those early round drafts. I mean, picking Harden and picking Westbrook. I mean, uh, both of those selections uh, were not, um, you know, kind of well thought of at the time. Um, some of them were a little of a reach. Some of them thought the players were taken too early. Uh, you know, there were other players on the board who a lot of uh, people who watched the draft liked better. Um, and, and boy, did he had home runs, you know, um, uh, you know, back to back. And then, you know, finding people at the end of the first round later and even in the second round occasionally who could become important you know, pieces of the puzzle. His ability to draft, especially in those early days, but occasionally even after that, um, I, I think have, have placed him in a kind of a, a unique pool of, of of the very top tier of, of general managers in the league. And uh, his ability to to look for talent is uh, 
is unsurpassed. I'm, I am sure there are other franchises who have tried to lure him away from Oklahoma City, and I don't know why he hasn't taken those. I'd like to think it's because he likes Oklahoma City and he wants to see this through, and he's been a part of that, and he's been a part of the community. I'd like to think it's all those, those loyalty things, um, but I, I just can't imagine that other NBA owners haven't tried to hire him away. And for whatever reason, they've never been able to, and I'm very grateful for that because I think he's the best general manager in the league. Definitely, and you mentioned how great of a drafter he is. And then you look at all the draft capital that the Thunder have over the next like seven years. And it, as a fan, it makes you a little bit giddy. You're like, man, we have this great drafting GM with tons of tools at his disposal. Uh, It's kind of exciting to to think about the future of the team uh, with Sam Presti at the helm. So, well, well, that that Paul George trade uh, was amazing. What, what Sam was able to wrestle out of, out of Los Angeles uh, I think oh someday we'll, we'll, someday we'll look back and see all of the, the pieces that he picked up and what he ended up turning that into. And I think I think it'll go down as one of the most lopsided trades of all time. Uh, I I think a lot of people already think that, and I'm excited to see how it how it plays out. Uh, you know, in the coming years, because it's it's so hard to judge it right now. You know, you have to wait to see what mm-hmm. those draft picks become and how good Shea is, and he looks like he's pretty dadgum good. So. Well, yeah. Mr. Cornette, before I let you go, a quick, a few quick hitters to get you out of here. Uh, okay. What was more of a shock to you, the James Harden trade or the Kevin Durant decision? Um, boy, uh, I guess the uh, the Kevin Durant decision it certainly hit me harder. Um, uh, but the James Harden trade, you know, I you know, we weren't starting James and. Uh, James wanted to start, and I don't think it was all about money. But at the end, you know, he was able to get more money, so that that kind of made sense. He, you know, he was he was if we were, if we weren't going to be able to re-sign him, you might as well trade him at the beginning of that season. Now, looking back, that may have cost us a, an NBA title that year not having him, but you didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Uh, your favorite Thunder player ever? Um, favorite Thunder player ever. Um, well, it it has always been Russell Westbrook, um, but I tell you, Chris Paul's gaining pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I I think a lot of fans feel that way right now. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite game you've ever attended? Um, well, the 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 most memorable game is is not one that that we won. It was that uh, that first year in the playoffs uh, when we were taken on the Lakers. And you remember, this is 2010. And, you know, our team has made the playoffs, which was remarkable. And then we were going head-to-head with Kobe. And and uh, as I recall, the end of the game, you know, the pal um, Gasol gets a, an offensive rebound and puts it in at the buzzer. And that's the way our season ended. And I, I just remember um, thinking how grateful I was that I, had, I got to witness uh, that series with all these great athletes and that we had a team and that we had been in the playoffs and that, you know, here's ESPN and all these other media outlets and they're all putting all this attention on Oklahoma city. And I, you know, I think that was for me, it was kind of the, the stamp that Oklahoma city had arrived. And in, indeed, after that, we started winning playoff series. I mean, we started, you know, getting two and three rounds deep into the playoffs with regularity. Um, but it was that first series I think I'll always remember and appreciate the most, even though the Thunder didn't win it. Yes, I, and I still remember that tip-in. And to me, the the lasting impression of that game was the Thunder are bounced out of the playoffs. And the crowd, j- just the amount of cheering 
and the standing ovation after the game uh, and, and the, the crowd reception to the team. Uh, even the the ESPN announcers, you know, are saying like, wow, like we, I don't know if I've ever heard a team get cheered this much for losing a game. Uh, that yeah. kind of just always stuck with me. Yeah, we were, we were the eighth seed. We weren't supposed mm-hmm. to beat the Lakers. Um, but, you know, we just we just felt like we belonged. Our team belonged in the NBA playoffs and uh, and we could sense there was going to be some good things ahead. And there certainly was. Definitely. Well, Mr. Cornette, thank you so much for coming on with us today. I really appreciate you taking your time. We uh, we're, we're just very thankful, you know, that just just the stories that you have and, and the, the position that you held to be able to see the rise of the thunder and, and the Hornets and everything just firsthand is, is a, a really just, it's an awesome story. And so we appreciate you sharing it with us. You bet. Great memories. Thanks for allowing me to, to think about some of them. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Hey, again, I just want to give a big shout out to former Oklahoma city mayor, Mick Cornette for coming on the podcast today. Uh, if you guys would like to follow Mr. Cornette on Twitter, he is at Mick Cornette. That's M I C K. C-O-R-N-E-T-T, just an awesome perspective of somebody who is kind of at the forefront of the rise of the Oklahoma City Thunder since really its inception. So I had a great time talking with the former mayor. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. If you're not already, follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place. Just search The Uncontested on Twitter. We are The Underscore Uncontested. Same on Instagram, Facebook. We are The Uncontested Podcast. Uh, If you have not yet already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your pods from. We upload right now during the the quarantine slash hiatus every Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning. So subscribe so you can get those downloaded to your device right when they drop. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate you. If you're one of our regulars, thank you so much. Make sure to check out bluewirepods.com to find your next sports podcast. Also go to betonline.ag, take advantage of that 100% sign-up bonus. You guys have a good rest of your week. We will be back with you on Friday morning. Until then, thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.